Amen. Thank you, Nick. It's already been good to be in worship today uh, with you to sing of the truth of God. And let me just welcome uh, our guests, those of you that are here for the first time or newer to fellowship. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. It could be a part of our service. And I know that we have many that are here today uh, for the baptisms that we're going to be having here in a little bit. So welcome to all of you. And thank you for coming and supporting uh, these candidates who are coming forward to be baptized. It's an important day for them. And it's great that you could come and be a part of of this very, very special occasion for them as they continue to take uh, a step of obedience um, in their walk with Christ. So again, welcome. Um, I hope you have been already warmly received. And I also pray that you're blessed uh, and encouraged by being a part of our service today. I'm going to be moving into the time of preaching and teaching the Word of God, which is also an important part of why we gather and what we do when we gather as a church. And, uh, and so I invite you to come uh, as, as the Word is preached to just allow God to speak uh, to you. And that's what we pray and ask God to do as we uh, communicate the Word of God. We have been doing a series uh, in the book of Acts, and we've been working our way uh, through this uh, New Testament book as a church. And so uh, if you're here for the first time, you're coming in to kind of right when we're working our way uh, through this. And, and so uh, we believe that God has much truth for us, uh, for, uh, for us through, uh, through his word. And, uh, and so I hope and pray that this, again, is just a meaningful time for you. We're going to continue in the story that we started last week, which is the account of, of Peter and uh, Cornelius. And as we get ready to look into the text, uh, I wanted to ask you a question uh, to just think about as we get started. And that's this question. Has God ever brought you to a place in your life where you needed to do a complete, you know, 180 degree turn from what you maybe expected that you were, uh, were going to have to do or that maybe God was asking of you to do? I think that's something that we've all probably experienced at one time or another. I've heard it said when talking about missions, I've heard it said that the worst thing a young missionary could ever say is, Lord, I'll serve you anywhere except. Uh, It's kind of almost a surefire way to make sure that you're probably going to end up in the one place that you've said is the only place you would not serve. And that requires, again, for that to happen, it requires a a 180 degree turn. You have to turn from maybe the direction you were going in and go the other direction. When that happens to us in life, and again, I think that happens to, to many of us at many different times, there's something that's almost always required, and that is our attitudes need to change. Our attitudes need to make a, a 180 degree turn from what they, what they were previous to that. And that's not always an easy thing to do. We, we need God to help us to do that. And that's what we're going to see happen in our text today. Peter is asked to do something that requires a complete reversal of thought, a reversal of attitude, and a reversal of behavior on something that he never uh, thought possible, I'm sure, uh, prior to this. He probably never imagined that God would ask this of him, and, and we're going to see what, what takes place. And, and in Peter's case, it wasn't a small matter. It was actually a quite significant matter. And, and so think about your own life. When God kind of brings you to a place where he's asking you to make that, that turn, sometimes we have a hard time when it's a really small part of our life. Not that significant. 
But in this case, this is major. This, was, this, this change would affect every single part of Peter's life. And so what I want to ask you to do as we approach this text today is I want to ask each and every one of you that are here because you're here today uh, because God sovereignly knew you would be here and he has, I believe, something for you to hear from him. I want to ask you to ask the Lord to help each, each of us to just be willing to receive what it is that he has for us that may require a turn, a change, potentially a 180 degree change. And most likely it will include an attitude that will have to change as well. So let's pray and ask God to lead us. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the time of singing and worship that we have already had. We look forward, Lord, to the, to the baptisms that are upcoming where we will uh, have uh, candidates following through in their commitment to you. And Lord, even now as we are hearing the word of God preached, I pray for each and every person that you, Lord, would just give them ears to hear and a soft heart to hear from you and to receive it so that the word can fall, uh, to, could fall on good ground and then bear the fruit that you want it to. Lord God, accomplish uh, your purposes today. We pray again through uh, the teaching of your word and we know how powerful that can be and we thank you in Jesus' holy name, amen. So as, as we begin uh, today, we're in, again, Acts chapter 10. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. I'm also going to have the scripture on the screen so you can follow along. But the story is going to shift from Caesarea back to Joppa. And we were looking at Caesarea last week. Peter is at the home of the tanner, Simon. And again, we learned even how that is significant because here is a Jew in the house of someone who works with unclean animals. And so last week, uh, we saw that Cornelius, a Roman centurion, he received a vision from God, and that vision was to send men to Joppa, and it was to send for the apostle Peter. And so that's kind of where we left off last week. And now we see here that Luke tells us in verse 9 that Peter, he went on the roof to pray. And we're talking probably about a flat-roofed home where he would be, you know, up there praying. And so Peter is praying at 12 p.m. It's midday, and it was lunchtime. This is Luke, who's the writer of this book of Acts. So Luke is writing this, and he's, he's telling us this information that it's lunchtime, and Peter was hungry. And so the friends below the house, they're, they're preparing lunch. They're making lunch, and, and Peter is praying. And as he is praying, Luke tells us that he falls into a trance. So he's, he's praying, but something happens to him that causes him to fall into this, this trance-like state. And God gives him a vision during uh, this prayer. And, and again, what it reminds us of is the fact that Cornelius also received his vision through prayer. He was praying to God and God spoke to him and we see the same here. And so when we start looking at Peter's vision in verse 11, we see that the, the heavens open and Luke tells us that something like a sheet descends from the heavens. So we see this a lot in scripture where the writer tells us that something's happening and gives us a picture, but then he says, it's like that. And then in our minds, all we picture is that. 
right? But he's not saying it's actually a sheet. He's saying it was like that because that's probably only the words he can, he can come up with. And so it's like this, this sheet that is coming down. And it's being let down by its four corners upon the earth. So it's covering the earth in some way. Now, so imagine this, uh, this massive kind of sheet covering the, the sky, the four corners of the sheet the, the way that that's referenced, it seems that it's indicating that it's, stre- it's stretching as far north, south, east, and west across the earth. And as the sheet descends, Peter sees all kinds of animals in the sheet. Reptiles, birds are some of the things that Luke specifically mentions, and all kinds of other animals. And so the sheet is full of these animals, and there are all kinds of them. That's one of the points that that Luke is making to us. And so it covered the earth from the, again, the north, south, east, and west, and then a voice speaks to him. We see that in verse 13. Rise, Peter. Kill and eat. Now, now Peter hears this. He knows what it means. The voice, which is God speaking to him, wants him to kill an animal and then eat it. But Peter, again, is Jewish and he, and he understands and knows Jewish law. He knows that he cannot eat anything that is considered unclean. And there were numerous unclean animals in this vision. And Leviticus 11 clearly states, and he knows what he can eat and what he cannot. And and so Peter is is demonstrating he knows Jewish law. He knows the law. So what is his response? Let's look at his response in verse 14. He says, by no means, Lord, I have never eaten anything common or unclean. So, So not only does Peter know the law. But he, what he's telling us is that he has faithfully obeyed it his whole life. He has never, he says, eaten anything unclean. And, and so he's not going to start eating unclean food now, is what, is what he's saying. He doesn't want to do that. And then God speaks again. And he says, what God has made clean, do not call common. Or, or another way to say that would be, unclean. And then it happened a third time. And so what Luke seems to be telling us is that Peter was told to rise, kill, and eat three times. Three times he resisted by no means, Lord. Three times God said, what God has made clean, do not call common. And after the third time, Luke tells us the sheet in his, in his vision is taken up to heaven and the vision is over. Now we know, because this is the apostle Peter, we know that three times is a number that Peter knows, right? All too well. And we have here another time where three times he's, he's told something and three times he resists. But really at this point, Peter is confused. He, he doesn't understand yet what happened. For all he knew, if you really think about it, for all he knew, he just resisted a, a temptation to, to do something that he knows by law he shouldn't do. But, and that would be to kill and, and eat something unclean. So no way, he's not 
going to do that. So then we move on and we see that again, Peter, Luke tells us Peter is confused. And then we see that Cornelius's men arrive. Verse 17 tells us that Peter is inwardly perplexed is how Luke tells us by, by the vision. And, and what, what he's basically saying is he, he, he still doesn't know what it means. He, he's not there yet. He's not there fully yet. So, so why is Peter perplexed? That's, that's a question that we got to think about. Well, here's what he's wondering. He's wondering how could things that have been unclean for basically thousands of years, because this traces back before Peter and into the whole Jewish nation, since God called these people to be his people. And how could something that's been unclean his whole life suddenly be clean? What happened? What changed? How is that possible? What does this mean? These are, these are all the things that he's, that he's thinking about. So, so as Luke is describing this to us, in the meantime, Cornelius's men arrive. We see that in verse 17. They find the house because they've been sent there and they're looking for Peter and they ask for Peter. And so Luke is, Luke is trying to describe this to us in a way where this is happening simultaneously. While Peter is pondering the vision, the, the spirit then speaks to Peter. Now, now, we don't know how that happened necessarily. It's not necessarily audibly. It doesn't say that it is, but Peter knows that it's the Spirit speaking to him. That's what's clear. Peter knows who it is speaking to him. It is the Spirit of God. He recognizes the voice of the Spirit. How important that is for all of us. Because he knows. He knows and he recognizes the voice of the Spirit. So what does the Spirit tell Peter? He says, three men are looking for you. Go down to them, accompany them without hesitation. Don't delay. Don't think about it. Don't, you know, analyze it too, too much. Don't overthink it. Just go with them. And, oh, by the way, I sent them. So, so these are the three things that, that he tells Peter. There, there's three men down there looking for you. Go down to them. Go with them and don't delay. And I have sent them. In other words, they're here because I sent them to you. So that's what Peter knows. But there's still a lot he doesn't know. Right? There's still a lot of blanks not filled in. Then in verse 21, Peter goes down to the men and he tells them, he says, I'm the one that you're looking for. And then he asks them a question. And the question that he asks them reveals kind of where Peter is at this point. He says, what is the reason for your coming? Because the Holy Spirit didn't tell him that. He just told them, I sent them. Why are you here? In other words, what Peter's saying is it's really strange and odd that a Roman soldier and two other guys are coming to Joppa looking for me. That just doesn't happen every day. And then they tell Peter about Cornelius. Because he hasn't heard about Cornelius yet. And how an angel told him to send for Peter. And for Peter to come to Caesarea. So that they may hear what Peter has to say. And so now Peter is getting filled in on the story. And after hearing that story. Peter then invited the three men to stay with him as their guests. But he's inviting them to Simon's house. Because he's not at his house. 
right? So he's inviting them as his guest, but his guest, he's a guest himself. Uh, and, and he's doing that because, again, he's not in his own home. And so now what we see here is a, a, a very big deal. And the reason this is a big deal is because Peter just invited Gentiles into the home as guests. And that's not something that law-abiding Jewish people do. Especially since one of the men staying is a Roman soldier. I mean, so a lot of this is not really adding up. They're in the house of a tanner, which is already a problem for the fact that he is a, a law-abiding Jewish person. Now he's inviting them in. He's, he's giving hospitality to these Gentiles, one of which is a Roman soldier. You could almost hear or, or think that Peter would say, hey, you know, could you just take off the Roman gear? You know, it's bad enough you're here, but I want everybody to know that, that I've invited you into my home. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He just says, come in. Because he knows God is at work. And this really is a great picture of Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality, the opening of, of a home to other believers. Um, and, and, that's, I mean, and that's all he needed to know was, okay, God sent you, you're here, come in. I don't know where this is going yet. You know, he doesn't know that. And Peter is being changed. So, so if, you know, if, you're, if you're watching Peter, you know, and we started this with this whole 180 degree turn, and you're thinking, okay, he was here, he's, he's, getting, he's getting turned. You know, I don't know where he is yet. I don't, I don't know exactly where he is, but he's, he's changing. It's happening. All right. So then next, Peter goes to Caesarea. In verses 23 through 26, we see that the next day, the next day they stay overnight and then they leave in the morning because they, you know, it's going to take a while. They're not going to drive in the car and, and go to, and it's 30 miles. It's a little bit more than 30 miles. So it's going to take a while. And so they leave for Caesarea and six believers, and we see this, we'll see this more clearly when we look at Acts 11, but we know that it's six believers from Joppa join them on the trip. So now Peter is going, but he's brought six other believers from Joppa are going with him and these three other men back to Caesarea. Um, Luke tells us it, take, it took them two days, so they must have just kind of slept uh, overnight and then kind of made their way the following morning. And they arrive in Caesarea and they go to Cornelius' home. And what Cornelius had done is he knew they were coming, and so he had invited a bunch of friends and family to his house. Because he wanted his closest friends and his family to meet Peter and to hear from Peter. He's excited about what Peter has to say because he knows that God is the one who has done this. And so he's invited people in. So now there's, now there's more people. You can kind of see this story is adding more and more people. And so when Cornelius met Peter in verse 25, if you look at that, and again, you can see that <clears throat> here uh, on the screen. He fell at Peter's feet. And notice how Peter responded. In verse 26, the apostle Peter, this is the super apostle, right? Stand up. I too am a man. That's, this is in the scripture. This is what, this is Peter's response. And what it tells us is that you will not find prayer to saints or worship of saints in the Bible. You just won't see that in the scripture. In fact, 
what you see is the opposite. This is a clear example where Peter is saying, no, don't do that. I'm just a man like you. And he's talking to a a Roman general or a Roman centurion who is also a Gentile. We see the same with with the apostle John. I mean, this has happened before. And so what does Peter say then to this large Gentile gathering in the home of a Gentile? I mean, everything about this situation is uncomfortable for Peter. You know how as Christians we like when God calls us to do really comfortable things? This is not comfortable. Everything, you know, think about a group of people that you would go to where you would feel the most uncomfortable. And God says, that's where I want you to go. That's where Peter is. Everything about this is very uncomfortable. And, and so what does Peter then say to this gathering? Look at verse 28. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. Well, that's nice. That's very hospitable, right? Hey, you know how it's actually against the law for me to actually even be with you people. Oh, well, you know, you can leave now, right? But listen listen to what he says. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter is being changed. Peter is being changed. So what does Peter say? I want to break it down this way. Two things. You all know it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with Gentiles uh, or anyone of other nations. You know, this is what he's saying. You know that. And, and he knows that they know Jewish law because of where they're located. They're within the, uh, th- this area. And also, God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So Luke is making it clear that, that Peter is getting it. So this is, this is, you know, the turn. It's continuing to happen. He's getting it. He understands the vision. Somewhere along the line here, the spirit has been moving. Maybe it was on the road walking, you know. Maybe it was overnight as he lay his head on the ground and he was thinking about what is going on. Like, should I even be going with these guys? I mean, he is a human, right? So sometimes we, you know, we make these guys out to be something that they're not. But he would think a lot of the same things we would think. And we think that, right? When we're in situations like that, we wonder, am I doing the right thing? Like, should I actually be doing this? And he's wondering, and, and, and God is changing him. And he's realizing, yes, this is something God is doing. And he's getting a picture of the vision. So now what I want to do is just make that meaning of the vision crystal clear. So uh, the meaning of the vision is this. The purifying of the unclean animals in the vision. When God said that these were clean, it symbolized something. God speaks many times in symbols. And he symbolizes things. In fact, baptism is a symbol. It, it, we're we're going to symbolize something today. And he's, he symbolized God's purifying of the unclean Gentiles. So, so the vision of the animals and God saying what he did to Peter was a symbol to Peter. God is purifying unclean Gentiles. And what that means is, is that things have changed now, Peter. And we need to understand this as, 
as people who understand scripture and understand the gospel and understand the Christian story. If you're a Christian, this is a really important story for you, whether you realize it or not, because things were never the same again after this. So, so something happened here. Not only are dietary restrictions no longer required, but more than that, all Gentiles are now officially, this is more official because we've seen the gospel go to Gentile people prior to this already. We've seen some of that as we've worked through the book of Acts, but this is more the official part of God's plan and kingdom purposes to bring the gospel outside of the Jewish nation to all people. And so this is, this is happening officially now. So salvation, Jesus, you know, we, we know this from, from the gospels, salvation came from the Jews, but it is now being offered to all people. And, and praise God for that because that, you know, that included me, right? That included you know, many of you. Like, this is, we were included in this, but this is where it shifted. And, and so, so, so what, what, what God is doing to Peter is he's saying, Peter, no longer can you refer to Gentiles as unclean, unfit, or unworthy. That's a massive change for him. Because he grew up doing that. that that's what he's learned. Actually, he didn't just learn it. He learned that that's how you honor God. So that's obviously not going to work anymore. And so God has made it clear to Peter that he accepts Gentiles into his family. God is saying they are now accepted into my family just as I accepted you and into my kingdom. And so from this point forward in all of church history, everything changed. The gospel, which was intended even when he promised, when he made the promise to Abraham, when God made the promise to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be, you're going to be a blessing. And that blessing is going to extend to all nations. The all nations part is coming. Now it's coming to fruition. The gospel is for all people, all nations. God has made it so. Amen. Amen. That is something that we should be thankful for, grateful for, and we don't just make that up. It is in the text. We draw it from the truth. It's not just a story we came up with. We're not just trying to go along with the culture because the culture is kind of leaning that way now. So now we'll just shift our story. No, this has always been part of God's plan. We don't need to change anything. We don't need to shift. We don't need to say that the truth has changed. We can refer back to the scripture and say this has always been part of God's plan. So we continue on. Uh, verse 30 through 33, Cornelius then tells Peter. So now he's hearing firsthand. Remember, he heard it first in Joppa from the other men. Now he's hearing it from Cornelius. And you know how that is, right? You hear a testimony from someone about someone, and you're like, wow, that was really powerful. And then you hear that same testimony from them, and you're like, okay, that was even more powerful. Right? That's what's happening to Peter. He's like, wow. 
Cornelius tells Peter about the vision, why he sent the men. He thanks Peter for coming, and then he concludes. And I love this conclusion, because every pastor or preacher loves a conclusion like this. So we're all here to hear what you have to say. So tell us, right? I mean, that's what he says. He's like, he's like I gathered my friends, I've gathered my family, and, and, and I, you know, if I'm Peter, I'm going, I am not prepared. You know, I've been trying to figure out the vision the whole way. I haven't really been taking, you know, writing notes. But Peter knows the spirit of God is going to give him what it is that he needs to say to these people. And they have ears to hear. I mean, Cornelius has really set these people up. He's like, you're going to listen to this guy, <laughs> to what he has to say. And he's a Roman centurion, so they're probably going to be okay. And, and, he's gonna, and you're gonna, they're going to hear the gospel. And we're going to pick that up next week. Next week, we're going to look into detail and, and break down that message that Peter gave to them, which is powerful. And uh, so I invite you back for that. But what I'd like to do now with the time that we have left is I want to help all of us respond to this text and and to what we've heard here in the right way. I want to ask you this question. How does Peter's experience and this text apply to all of us? How does that, how, how does, how does what you just heard, how does that apply to all of us? Peter had been taught, follow me on this. Peter had been taught to throw all the Gentiles onto the giant sheep. And then he said to that, then he said, by no means, Lord, not them. But after this vision and after this encounter with Cornelius, Peter would never be the same again. Now, did he have some, we, we know from, from reading through the, the, the rest of the book of Acts and even through the rest of, of the epistles that he had some, still had some issues with this, struggles with this. But he did have a change here. His attitude towards Gentiles changed because he realized that God has made them clean. And so the question is, what about, what about us? What about you? Like what, where, where, what about the things that, that we struggle with? Because this principle applies to all of us because we all do this easily and sometimes we do it so, so easily that we don't even realize we're doing it. We don't even realize that it's happening. We shut out whole groups of people we, we mentally excommunicate people from our lives. Just mentally, we're like, they're out. Our circle of friends. And, 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 and Peter had done that. And again, he had been taught to do that. And he actually thought he was honoring God. And now this shift had happened, uh, has happened. And, he, and he, needs to, he needs to pivot. He needs to change. And the Holy Spirit's making that change in him. Peter needed to see that, that she full of unclean animals, and then, and then be told, do not call unclean what God has called clean. And so the question I want to ask you is this, what about, what about our sheets? Like, what, what would our sheets look like if the Lord lowered them down in front of us? Who would be on it? You know, who have we, who have we think about this question, who have we said this about? By no means, Lord, not them. Who have we said that about? Because our, our sheets are, are filled with, with, with people that we have written off. And, and the question is, why have we, why have we done that? And, and there are a lot of different reasons that we do this. Maybe it's education level, you know, like sometimes it's like, uh, you know, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm too educated for them. And, and then sometimes it's, you know, they're too educated for me. They're just way up here and, you know, they have no idea of reality. And so we just write people off uh, on, on, because of that. 
Maybe it's ethnicity. You know, you, you grew up in a home where it was fine and okay to write off an entire group of people because they were the wrong ethnicity. Maybe it's color of skin. We write off certain groups of people depending on their color of skin. They can be too dark, but you know, they can also be too light. They're not dark enough or they're not white enough. And either way, we, we write them off and, 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 and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing that. Maybe it's political. Our, our sheets are filled with people we write off because of, because of political views and we say, by no means, Lord, not them. And how, here's the, here's the thing I want to bring to mind. How does God respond to us with that? I believe he does the way he responded to Peter when he says, what God has made clean, do not call unclean. And so, Yet we all do it. We all do it. There isn't, th- th- this is what's so wrong, uh, and, and you've heard me talk about it a lot, what's so wrong about the, the, the social justice ideologies because it tries to say there's only these groups and these groups, but we all do it. All of us. And what I want to do is just encourage you to take time right now even to just where you are, just confess that if the Lord is even bringing that to mind, those that maybe you're writing off and saying, by no means, Lord, not them then realize something. Jesus has come to save them too. And he may use you to bring the message. Just like he used Peter. Right? Because you could think Peter would be like, hey God, I have a better plan. Um, Save a Gentile guy. Let him, how about the Roman soldier that came to my house? I'll I'll lead him to Christ. He goes back and does all this. I don't want to do that. No, Peter, you're doing it. But I'm uncomfortable, but I, that's why you're going. And also because you're, you're, you're one of the apostles of the church and you need to, it needs to be reflected to the entire church that this is something that I'm doing and that it's going to infiltrate every part of my church because the gospel's going to all people. So be available and, and open to that. Let him do that work in you. Let God do that work in you. And again, it may mean something. It may mean a 180 degree change of attitude for you. But if it does, let the spirit of God do that work in you. So as a way to help you remember this message, what I did is I have, um, I have something for you. I have, I have these uh, small napkins. Um, They, they, they're going to be available to you as, as you leave today. Um, And so uh, there should be enough for every one of you. So you could take one. And as you leave, and I want to just ask you to let it be a symbol of, of the sheet in your life. You can even maybe put it in your Bible. And then maybe uh, later this week or today, take some time alone with the Lord and just say, Lord, bring to mind those who I've written off. Maybe it's a name, but maybe it's not a name. Maybe it's not a specific, maybe it's just a whole group of people without names. And whoever you have said, by no means, Lord, not them. Maybe write it down on this, on the napkin, just so you can see it. And then ask the Lord to forgive you and to remind you daily to not, to not call unclean what he has called clean. And to remember this, remember that the gospel is for them too. That's the thing we need to remember, that the gospel is for all people. And I think sometimes as Christians, what we really want is we want people to change before they receive the gospel. And, what, and, and the whole gospel says, no, that's how they change. They change because of the gospel. And then ask the Lord to produce the change in you that needs to happen, that he produced in Peter. 
Let him know that you're ready for that 180 degree turnaround. We're going to be moving to baptisms here in a little bit. And in each case, we have people who have committed their life to Christ or want to take this step and they're symbolizing what it is that Christ has done for them in and through the gospel. And the reason we can do that today is because of this story that we heard today. It's because God has intended for this gospel to go to all people. And the all people includes all of us. And as we're going to see today, those who are being baptized. So we give praise to God for that. Let me pray for you. And uh, we'll ask God to continue to bless us as we go forward. Lord God, help us. Help all of us. Where we have made up our mind in our own hearts, Lord, where we have said, by no means, Lord, not them, forgive us. Help us, Lord, to respond to your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, when you bring these people, maybe they're by name, maybe they're by group, and when you bring them to mind, help us, Lord, to have a change of attitude, a change of heart, and Holy Spirit of God, may you be the one that produces that change in us because we can't do it on our own. But with you working in and through us, we can do it. And then praise God, Lord, give us the opportunity then to share that gospel, that good news to those that you've called us to and to do it with joy as we saw here with with Peter and this story. So thank you, Lord. Again, for this truth, this message, this, this, this word that you've given to us. Thank you for your love for the nations. And Lord, as we continue now, even uh, in our service, as we sing praise to you, as we, as we magnify your name, Lord, may, may you hear not just our voices, but may our hearts come before you to just declare uh, how wonderful you are. In Jesus' holy name, amen.